The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. Well, I have some dear friends of mine up here with me this morning. Uh, this is Paul and Megan McAllister. And uh, Paul and Megan, do you know the name of your children's right now? All right. What are the names of your children? Yeah. Uh, Maddox, Harper, and Tanner. Okay. That's always a good test that you're still coherent and able to function up here in front of the people. Um, Paul and Megan have agreed uh, and are uh, excited in a sense because of their desire to bring glory and honor to the Lord's name uh, through their own broken, their own struggle through brokenness. Um, but I wanted you to see a story of grace. You know, last week we talked about grace and said that our role is to magnify the grace of God in our lives so that others are moved to desire to know the grace of God. And as we talked about it in our group this week, in our small group, we said, you know, that's not always, we don't always magnify the grace of God through our excellencies and through our religion and through our good deeds, though that is certainly part of it, is that when we're living to the glory of God, in that sense, it does display His majesty and glory. But sometimes uh, it's, it's a powerful display of the grace of God in our brokenness. And so what we wanted to do is give you the opportunity to hear the story of God's grace through uh, Paul and Megan's journey uh, in their marriage. And so uh, thank you guys so much for uh, being willing to do this. Before we get started, I want to give you each an opportunity to give one of the reasons that you do not want to be sharing today. That's a weird question, isn't it? I want you to have that opportunity to say, what is one concern you have about sharing this morning? Um, For me, it's just the, the typical selfish thoughts of a sinner where I'm afraid people are going to look at me differently, treat me differently, um, lose respect for me. I can definitely relate to that. Megan? There are so many people in here. (laughs) The first service was not this full. Yeah. Um, You know, the same. We don't want people to look at us differently um, or negatively, obviously. I mean, you know, we're human. We care what people think about us. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you doing it despite that concern. Uh, raise your hand if you're saying, I will not look at them differently for this. Raise your hand. I better okay. see all hands. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, our desire here, their desire, we met this week and we've talked about this morning. And their truest desire is that God's glorified in this. They don't want this to be about them. They want it to be about God seen in them. So, Paul and Megan, tell us... Uh, a little bit of your journey of, of what, what's gone on in your marriage. When were you married? And then just, just jump right in, and I'll interrupt. Okay, great. Um, we dated for about three years, and we've, we've been married for 11, 12, almost 12. Um, but when we were dating, you know, that, that wasn't just like straight from a romance novel the whole time. And, um, That's surprising, because ours was. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, and so, but I just thought whatever issues we had when we got married would just be fixed and he would be fixed and he would fix me and everything would be wonderful. And that's not what happened. So I, I kind of went into marriage with unrealistic expectations. And because of those high expectations, I was disappointed a lot. Um, in, you know, fast forward 10 years and two kids later, I had let a lot of resentment and bitterness grow in my heart. And um, I think we both kind of became blind to seeing the good in one another and um, blind and blind to seeing the bad in 
ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we were just kind of coexisting, raising kids and doing everyday life and going down two different paths. So before you go on, you, you shared with me Thursday something about you kind of both came into the marriage. They're going, wait a minute. You didn't ask questions like this in the first service. Throwing a curveball here. So um, you kind of said you came into the marriage not really knowing yet what it was like to be completely open to each other or something kind of along the lines of that. Is there? Yeah. Sure. I mean, we, we, we came into the marriage with secrets, really, that we confessed to each other after we were married. Um, gotcha. And so, yeah, I mean... That was so obviously being open has always kind of been a struggle. Yeah. And then you said, so she, she said that she kind of built up some resentment when she realized you weren't a Nicholas Sparks guy. Right. Yeah. So what was your experience of, of that journey? Yeah. So, um, kind of picking up at that 10 year mark, uh, again, our focus had become let's raise some good kids and let's earn money. And, uh, let's be CEOs of, of this house. And, uh, and, and the focus was not on each other. And, and after a while of kind of, um, that being the, the way you wake up every day, you you can convince yourself that this is, this can work like this. This is what it's going to look like for the next 40 years. And that's okay. And, you know, and so, uh, in the in the summer of 2013, I, I was hired by a new company, and in July of that year, I was uh, had to go away for two weeks for some meetings and training. And uh, during that time, I all right, stop there. Okay, you're welcome. Sorry. So <clears throat> at this point, you're heading off. You're thinking, if I'm understanding what you're saying, you're functioning pretty highly functioning couple, raising beautiful family, growing, making your careers, making money doing everything the world would say looked really successful, but you're looking back on it seeing that there was a lack of intimacy or oneness communication. or communication. Intimacy. Christ was definitely not the center okay. of our marriage. We were, I mean, ripe for attack. Yeah. Um, and so, so at that time, you would have described your marriage as what? Or what would not looking back, but at that time you thought life is good, or are you thinking life is horrible, or what are you thinking at that point? A, a little underwhelmed, but probably this is this is common. Um, who are we different from most people we know? This is probably similar to the rest of our friends, and uh, this is just how this is what becomes of, of married couples. Yeah, I just kind of thought, you know, um, I think marriage, I don't know, I've never been married before, but I think that um, it just kind of ebbs and flows, and maybe we're just kind of in this season of, eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only word. That's a it. deeply tech- <laughs> theological term. Yeah, eh. Well, so would you say you were a believer in Christ? You had a relationship with Christ at that time? Oh, yeah. I think we both did separately. Yeah. I think that uh, we weren't, we didn't make a habit of praying with or for one another. But um, we were definitely both believers. And y'all were going to church here? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. Were y'all in Shreveport? When did y'all? No, yeah, we were here. We we joined here, I think, in 2011. So we were a couple of years into this. I mean, we were community group co-leaders. Um, you gone through the cohort? Been through the cohort. Uh, so I was Yeah, you were, was in. You were in, engaged, right. but there was something off. And then you went on this trip. Right. So... I'm on this trip, um, and just guard down, uh, 
no real practice in place between Megan and I um, to protect ourselves, protect our marriage. And um, and the next thing you know, I, I meet a, a young married woman and we, we begin to connect in, in conversations and um, and then start to share personal experiences from each other's past. Um, unmistakable flirting by the time we both left. Um, thankfully, that, that is as far as it went. But uh, when we went back to our respective hometowns, um, this continued in a in a 10-month secret relationship of texting and, and emailing. And, it, it you know, it, it, it crossed all the lines, and uh, it really sent me into a, a, a tailspin, you know, spiritually where I was, I was at a distance from the Lord and continuing that distance, uh, like I'd never thought imaginable. Well, I didn't do this in the early service uh-huh. and you have the right to not answer anything. The tailspin, as far as your spiritual struggle, what was life like living in secret sin? It was a nightmare. Um, you're, you wake up every day in disbelief that you're participating in something like this. And, and you, you think this is only stuff that happens in the movies and that you hear, you know, salacious stories of, of others. Um, and, th- and then the next thing you know, you're the, you're the, the main character in something like that. And, and um, you want every day for it to stop and you wish you had the strength to make it stop. And you convince yourself you can stop it, but... The one thing that I figured out was it was never going to stop until I confessed to Megan, which was the absolute last thing in the world that I wanted to do for obvious reasons. Um, but So what was going on between you guys in this, as long as this secrecy was going on? Yeah. Well, we got pregnant during that time, um, which made things... Interesting, and certainly, I look back on now, and, and I just hate myself for being that self-serving during such a um, critical time in a couple's marriage. But um, I was so bogged down with covering my tracks and um, trying not to get busted for, for lack of a better term that, that she was, she was alone in that. And so what was your version of life during that season? Um, yeah, Paul just, uh, checked out and found every reason in the world to leave the house, to not spend time with me or with the kids, um, to hear him tell it now he just couldn't, um, I guess because of shame and guilt. And, um, so yeah, I just, I felt really lonely and I felt really anxious all the time. Um, I, I can remember telling Paul, I'm real anxious about bringing a baby into this, hmm. this, whatever this oh, and I is. Think, I think you started to imagine life without me. Oh, I did. I absolutely did. I, you know, he traveled a lot for work and, um, it was always kind of this test to see, could I do this without him? Um, so I kind of, I allowed my thought life to go there Mm. for sure. Okay. So 
as it gets to a point, I think you shared a little bit about how you started finding God's grace and how it involved, who it involved, and how. Tell us more about where you started finding the grace of God for your strength. Um, in October of 2013, I went to the Norris Ferry Women's Retreat, and um, at one of our little breakout sessions, uh, Dana and Jennifer Googe were talking about communication and intimacy in marriage. And I, as I sat and listened, I realized that. Uh, my marriage did not look like that, and um, it really troubled me. And so I found some space and some quiet to just be still with the Lord, and um, he really put on my heart, my marriage is in trouble. And um, I came home after that retreat and had a hard conversation with Paul, and he assured me that everything was fine. And at that time, I just kind of accepted that because that's what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it, it became really clear that everything was not fine okay so you came home started she started asking questions after this marriage retreat and you're thinking why is she asking she's on to me or what do you yeah thinking? i mean i'm 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 starting to figure out that i can't hide my behavior um even though she may not know specifically what's going on um and as clever as i think that i am when you've got a wife who loves Jesus and is um, is praying for the marriage and uh, the Holy Spirit is alive in her, you're you're a loser at that point, and she is she is on to me. Um, and I'm again, I'm not basking in this ten month rebellion. Um, I'm I'm devastated by what has become of me, and so I I get a sermon emailed to me by a friend, uh, kind of. In the spring of 2014, um, James McDonald's sermon talking about exactly what I'm participating in. Now, did the friend know what was going on? No, this was uh, this was very mysterious, um, Myst- and it wasn't mysterious just grace of God. exactly, um, and it wasn't just to me. It was a handful of us that used to be pretty tight in accountability when we were back in Austin. Um, and I'm listening, I'm traveling to Monroe for work, and I'm listening to this in the car, and I'm, and he's just reading from the Bible about God, how God is addressing me and, and what I'm doing, and you are you are mocking me. You think you are hiding from me. You cannot hide from me. And, and, and he's describing someone who is not saved, and I was um, instantly broken there, and... And th- this is when I made the decision to to stop what I was doing. Um, so you're listening to the sermon, driving to Monroe, and you're losing it. I'm losing it, and, and I'm I'm and this is done, over and done, and and and, and it did end um, partially, but the most important part was incomplete, which was confessing to Megan what I had been doing, and um, but I felt like. Cutting it out was going to be good enough. I could refocus on her, on the kids. We can write this ship, and, you know, Just off keep we go. this among the other part but, that yeah, she doesn't this know one, about you. She's not going to, she doesn't need to know, um, which, a little side note, um, one thing I learned is um, an affair is not always the traditional fatal attraction um, worldview of an affair, Okay. Any secret that you're keeping from your spouse, and I don't mean I'm going to surprise her with a vacation for our 
anniversary, it's I know something, I'm up to something that she doesn't know about, and I have no intentions of her ever knowing about it. Um, and so, so you're at that point saying, <laughs> I, I got to change, and you're repentant of that relationship, you got that. But you're at this but point I'm not. hoping God you is, can get away with not telling me. Right. But God is on me like a lead blanket. This is from day one. It's tell your wife. Tell Megan what you're doing. If you don't tell her, I'm going to tell her. Um, this is what you're just sensing the Lord in your spirit telling you this. Absolutely. You know, just I'd never experienced a, a supernatural um, relationship with God in that way. And this was certainly not the way I wanted it to be. I wanted him to say... You know, today's a good day to go buy the the Powerball ticket, Paul. You know, um, yeah. not go tell your wife about <laughs> what you've been up to. Um, um, but and it was it was terrifying. Okay, so where are we in the story? So you've approached him. Have you asked him at this point what's up? Oh, several times. Um, you know, really what I, I realized that I couldn't change his behavior and I was trying really hard by my own effort to fix things and um, that just wasn't going to happen. So I went to the Lord in prayer. I started really reading the word and reading Christian books and praying. And I, you know, at first I kind of feel like there was an ulterior motive. Like I was, I was thinking, okay, Paul's going to see this. It's going to influence him. He's going to turn to the Lord. Everything's going to be great. And that's not at all what happened. I well, felt like, I think we kind of, not, well, well, not, not to refute you. That's not what, how his behavior right. reflects. But I want to encourage you, not that you needed it, but I want to encourage you that he was seeing the Holy Ghost and the Lord working up in your life, and God is breaking him down. And the Scripture says that a righteous woman leads leads his husband that way in her quiet holiness, and I think you're doing a great example of that. So go ahead. Thank you. I wouldn't argue with you unless the fact that I'm building you up no, in my no, argument. That's, that's, that's right. wonderful. You, <laughs> that's right. Feel free to build me up as much as you want. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, those prayers became a comfort to me. And so then um, as I drew nearer to God and I really felt God moving in me and speaking to my heart, um, there was still this huge wall that was just getting taller and wider between me and Paul. And So as you're growing in the Lord, you're uh-huh. thinking, I'm growing away from him. Yeah, and I, I was kind of like, God, are you going to show up here? Mm-hmm. Um, I hear and, that a lot. You know, and so, uh, and, and if you are, could you do it sooner rather than later? Right. Because I was about to have a baby. Wow, yeah. Which, I mean, brings us to September 10th, 2014. What happened? Um, We are uh, just moved into a new home. Um, We have a two-month-old baby. Our other older two have just started at a new school. You know, we're, we're in this season where we should be rejoicing in God's blessings. Um, but that day, I always say if, if a stranger would have entered our house, he wouldn't have known whether we were coming or somebody was going. Um, and Megan had prepared for this day. And um, What do you mean by that, Megan? How did you prepare for that day? Um, well, I had spent a lot of that morning in prayer, and I just kind of was like, God, something's got to change. We can't go on this way. And, um, and God made that clear to me. We can't go on this way. Um, so I spent the whole morning in prayer and I just kind of felt a strength and a peace come over me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him again. Um, I'd already asked many 
many times. <laughs> and um, I said, I'm just going to ask him again. And if I, I don't get a truthful answer, then I'm prepared to leave. Now, did we, now I'm having service confusion. I know we talked about in the first service. Have we talked about Diane in this service? Not yet, because that came after. Okay, good. I'm sorry, I'm losing track. Okay, so you were like, uh, I got to know the Lord has strengthened you. You feel a sense through your quiet times, Mm -hmm. through your walk with the Lord. You feel like the Lord has strengthened you to know the truth and to be able to deal with it. Yeah, um, you know, throughout this whole thing, as I'm spending time in prayer, God is telling me, ask again, ask again, pursue him. Don't stop asking just because he says everything's okay. I mean, I felt God speaking very clearly to me, ask again. And so that day he said, ask again. And you asked again. And, and what I did asked say? again. Well, first, I mean, he likes me to set the scene because I, I made him lunch <laughs> and it was going to be this real sweet thing. And then I said, are you lying to me? Yeah. <laughs> I did you? Like I have to ask. Did you put anything in the food of the lunch that you made? I did not. Okay. But I'm not a very good cook. All right. But I, I, I did say, I said, Paul, I can be stronger and more gracious than you know, and I just need to know if you're hiding something from me. And he said no. You know, in his defensive way, no, no. I said, um, okay, give him one more shot. <laughs> and I said, are you being truthful? And he said no. And I just said, tell me. So why would you finally tell her? Do you know? I don't. Um, again, just I can, I can go back to that day um, as if it were this morning and remember the feeling, just the weightiness of how long is this going to go on and the word no coming out of my mouth. And you had stopped it. You had, had repented. You just haven't shared it with three her. Three or four months. Three yeah. or months. But and you I'm like, thinking... We're on our way. It's um, still affecting y'all's relationship in a massive way. Yes. Uh, so I, 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 I confess, um, and, you know, sh- instantly God's grace and, um, you know, the, the time she had spent preparing for this moment was, was filled the room. I mean, don't get me wrong. This was... This was a blow. Um, there was a lot of emotions. I had just hurt her in the worst possible way. Um, but she, she said, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to talk to Tracy, and I want you to talk to Sean McDonald, who is uh, the guy who sent me the sermon, who um, is actually a, a Christian counselor, counselor in, in uh, Arkansas and, and works specifically with men with all kinds of issues. And... Uh, and, and talk to David Googe. So uh, I went to you very probably the next day um, and was just met with acceptance and uh, you were you were grief-stricken over us, um, but you listened. You did not condemn me. You did not excommunicate me from the church. Um, you asked a lot of questions and I we began to find answers that, uh, and uncover things that I had not dealt with yet. Um, I did call Sean, uh, and Sean's response as a professional at this was very much, I, I liken it to being told you, you need a new heart where he said, okay, here's your diagnosis. Any thoughts of, of fixing this in your house, just between the two of those, you can forget that. Um, you guys need, um, professional Christian marriage counseling, intense counseling, 
Um, he directed us to uh, a place. Um, but in the meantime, this is kind of the treatment plan. This is, this is what you can expect from her. This is how to respond. This is how absolutely not to respond. Um, you got that right about how... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, flooding is a uh, term used often uh, in these type situations, and I got very familiar with, with emotional flooding. And it's tiring, and it usually happens when you're ready to fall asleep at night. So um, when I did not take his advice, I quickly figured out why he was advising me to do the opposite of what I chose to do. But we Did you we ever did. have times where she's like, you're you're out. I'm done. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I remember saying. I remember asking him to leave, and he looked at me and he said, "I'm not leaving." I was like, "What am I supposed to do now?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was like, "I'm staying, and I'm fighting for this marriage." Mm. And um, I had to ask myself a couple of questions. And um, you know, the first thing, did God intend for me to marry Paul? And I truly believe He did. And I don't think that we have a God who wavers or changes his mind about things. And the second was, um, do I believe God is bigger than this? And I do. And I did. So why did you say I'm not leaving? You know, and, and, and all of my stupidity, um, but in God's wisdom, um, he made it very clear to me that his plan was not for Megan and I to date and marry and be married for 10 years and have three kids. And then shut down the program and move on. Um, that's not biblical. That doesn't mirror Christ. And so I, I just, I refused, um, I, for the, the simple reason is that our three kids, you know, I was, I was not going to settle for that. And the other reason is that I love her so much and, you know, it, I just wasn't going. I didn't always sleep in my own bed, but uh, I stayed in the house. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's a step. It was a, a victory, small one. <laughs> so two out of three. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, yeah, I don't know where we are in the story, but, um, you know, that night after he shared with, with me everything that had been going on, you know, my initial reaction was just relief. There's the sin, and it's in the light, and now we have something to kind of fight against. Um, whereas before it was just this big unknown. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do about it. And now, you know, I was ready to kind of do battle. Mm. Um, and so that night I came across this quote and it said, I've got this, um, go and love your husband, help pull him out of the hole that he's in, forgive your husband as I forgave you and be there for him. Like I've been there for you, God. And, um, I thought, yeah, I mean, is that something you think, I can do this on my own, or do you need the Lord's help to do that? Oh, absolutely, I need the Lord's help, like every single second of the day. But it reminded me that I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm a sinner, and I'm forgiven. And God forgave me and died on the cross for me while I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. And, um, and who am I to receive that kind of grace and not give it to my husband? So two out of three is not bad. You told me. You told Sean. Yeah. But you hadn't told uh, yes. David Gucci. Uh, that was not something that I um, leapt at. Um, he's my closest friend. I've known him my entire life. I've always looked up to him. Um, and just the thought of of 
disappointing him in this way um, to think that he would uh, want to associate with somebody who would behave this way. Um, it was just too difficult. So um, while I was mulling this over, Megan decided that she needed to be the one to kind of prompt this. And so uh, she ran into David and said, has Paul called you? And he said, no. And she said, well, you need to call him because he needs to talk to you about some sin in his life. And, and well, just, I just said, I was nice about it. I, I just said he has the some, Holy Spirit. Yeah, right, right, well, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't typically like seek out David and be like, you need to call Paul. Um, so I, I just said, he's There's got some sin in his life. He's going to need some accountability. Yeah. And, and that's, that was my goal in that. Yeah. And it happened and it's, it's real fellas and women. Um, you know, that, Again, I was I was foolish to think that he would ever condemn me or, um, you know, take this information and be irresponsible with it. I mean, it was just a constant um, conversation and, you know, going on runs together and having lunch together and checking in and encouraging me and praying for me and um, just crucial um, in any man's life and... and you know, I'm just so thankful and humbled that I would have a friendship like that. Okay, so <clears throat> you went to some fantastic counseling, which you have information Can I on. Talk about Diana? Yes, and so I'm going to fast forward through the counseling because we're running out of time. But I wanted to get exactly to that point. Okay. Tell me how the people in the church helped you. I see that they helped him. Well, so um, you, the, the whole relief part of that did not last very long. Um, yeah. And then came confusion about who he is, what he's capable of, mm-hmm. um, and the extent that he went to to hide things from me. I mean, it was just my world was spinning. Um, and then came anger and a lot of it. And I didn't really know what to do with it. And I knew that we couldn't keep this to ourselves because we would be too tempted to sweep it under the rug. So um, I needed somebody to talk to and so I, was, I tried to be really discerning about who I shared my information with because um, it is sensitive information. And I just wanted to make sure that it was somebody who had a heart big enough oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, <laughs> to love and forgive um, Paul and to encourage and share wisdom with me. And so I called Diane Nida and I began meeting with her regularly. And it was just so life-giving to have her come in my house and be free to share it with her and not have judgment. And I didn't tell this in the first service, but the most, the thing that meant the most to me is the Sunday that she saw him at church after I'd shared with him, she immediately came up to him. She gave him a big hug and she said, I love you. And that was so important to me because I, I really wanted people not to see Paul differently. I wanted their view of him to be unchanged. And just for her to do that, um, I'm thinking, okay, well, if she can hug him and say she loves him, you know, I'm, I can do this. It was just, it gave me hope, and it just really encouraged me. That's great. Um, they have great resources and information for their counseling that I'm having to fast forward through that I highly, highly recommend that people tap into those resources. But we're out of time for that. So I want you to just say, going forward, 
what hope has the grace of God given you for your marriage and for us? Well, the whole the whole message for this, the whole meaning of this is hope. Um, and I have experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ through this experience like never before. Um, you know, I, I understand and, and, and believe that um, all have sinned and fall short, that uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, um, and that perfection is not the expectation, but, but direction is the expectation. And uh, while I was wrapped up in that, um, my behavior was not consistent with someone who has experienced the life change found in Jesus Christ. Um, so being healed by God, seeing God's faithfulness through this, um, making the decision to come up here and share this with our church, you know, if one conversation is prompted on the way home between a husband and a wife that are dealing with something, um, and this sounds so contrived, but it's not versus my reputation being ruined locally. I don't care. We have an obligation to glorify our Lord through this. And that is what above all else is why we're here. You said Diane said something to you early on. Yeah. Diane told me, um, God will heal this. He can, and he will, if you want him to, um, but he's going to want all the glory and you need to be prepared because you're going to be sharing your story someday. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, that changed the direction for me. It gave me hope and it gave me a purpose for the, the pain and the struggle. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, one thing I've learned out of this, I mean, I, I really, for me, it's been a lesson in forgiveness and, and trust and, um, trusting Paul, but trusting God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just knowing that I don't have to, I, I guess if Paul's not pursuing the Lord, then I shouldn't trust him because he's a sinner. Um, but I do need to trust God with what's ahead. Um, and forgiving is a process. It's not, I forgive you or I don't forgive you. It's an every day in the beginning, every hour, laying that down and letting it go and choosing to love Paul and choosing to be with Paul and pursue him just like Christ chooses us. Even every day, he does it over and over again, and we fail him over and over again, and he continues to choose us. Wow. Thank you guys for sharing. I know it's uh, challenging, but what a blessing. Uh, Everybody give him a hand. Thank you. What I'd like to do to close out the service is I'm going to invite them to come down here and pray. I'm going to be down here praying. I invite you to come down, pray for your own lives, your own experience of the mercy and grace of God. Pray for them. There's a whole lot of details that they are happy to share about counseling. This place they went was just such a blessing. They want to be a resource to you. Uh, We want God to do some ministering in your lives in this time of prayer. So let me just ask us, Lord, pray. I pray, Lord, for the church right now not to think about just your experience of grace and Paul and Megan's brokenness, but to own their own brokenness, for us all to own our brokenness, for husbands to grab their wives' hands and bring them to the front now and to pray for their marriage, uh, for individuals to pray for the secret that they're keeping from you and thinking that they're keeping and hiding from you. I pray that all of us will do business with you now 
in this season of prayer. I invite you now to come and pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.